Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Smack. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, March 28th, 2022. And the word of the day is smack. If you're just waking up, if you're just getting out from under the covers, if you have no idea what's going on, I can't help you. Because this transcended sports entertainment news. It's the headline across the world in every language. Will Smith went on stage during a live event and smacked Chris Rock during the Oscar telecast. During the course of yesterday, I was having a great day. I was watching F1. I watched the Final Four games. They were not very close. I watched a few episodes of a show that I'm currently binging that we'll talk about later. Not today, once I'm done with the four seasons. Casual, it's called, by the way. And then you get ready for Oscar Sunday. And for me, it's been something for the last 35, 40 years of my life. I've loved movies. It is my Super Bowl. That's how much I love the Oscars. And I know I get offended when people say they don't like watching, when the ratings go down, when the numbers are down, when people say they're not in touch. People don't like the movies that are nominated. They want the big blockbuster movies nominated. And I do not want to go to the lowest common denominator. I want people to watch movies that are thought-provoking, that are well done, that are interesting. I'm not dressing in a tuxedo. I do not go to Oscar parties because I want to watch the show. I want to hear the show. I want to engage with the show. I do an Oscar pool. I gave you my Oscar ballot. Friday, I did six or seven categories for you. And yesterday before the show, I tweeted out and Instagrammed out at David P. Sampson my actual ballot beforehand because I'm not a Monday morning quarterback who would tell you, oh, I did so great on the pool. I wanted you to see where my head was. I've been talking about these movies. I've been talking about Coda all year long. I wanted Andrew Garfield to win Best Actor, but chose Will Smith because that was what's going to happen. So I am basically in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. I've got a pastrami sandwich, a half-sour pickle, some dirty jalapeno potato chips, a latke with applesauce, water, not drinking. I'm not watching Half-Baked. I, I am present, and I'm not going to miss a thing. So I'm watching the show, and during the course of the show, what I'm doing is I'm taking notes because I'm thinking about today's show, and I wanted to give you a recap, an Oscar recap, and I wanted to just see what the stories would be. And the stories that were unfolding last night were absolutely timeless stories. Watching Ariana DeBois win Best Supporting Actress and give a speech winning for the role that was played by Rita Moreno, who won an Oscar back in 1961 for West Side Story, ending it with saying that you are not alone if you are a Latina and you're queer. You can 
be standing where I am. And we talk a lot in this show about belonging. We talk a lot about people who have reactions. We talk about press conferences. We talk about statements. We talk about mental health. We have some jocularity. But one of the things, the overarching points of nothing personal is that in the world of business, it's just business and it's nothing personal. But there are circumstances where there are very personal things that are going on. And the purpose of the platform that, that we have here that you have so generously given us, the purpose of the platform is to help you decide when it's just business, when it's nothing personal, and when you've gone over the line and it is personal. And everyone has a different line. Everyone engages with things differently. Everyone feels differently. I can't feel, and I've told you this, I can't ever tell you what it feels like not to be privileged. I, I've said it to you and I cannot. I can't tell you what it feels like to be discriminated against, to be black. All I have is what people have given me as their experiences that I can put into my head and that I can try to familiarize myself with other people's plights, but in no way can I ever speak for anyone. I can only speak about how I engage with everyone and how what everyone does impacts me. So I'm watching the Oscars and I'm, I'm rooting for Troy Coetzer to win Best Supporting Actor. He wins. He gives a speech in sign language that was inspirational. And if you are one of the people who are saying he only won because he's deaf, it means you don't understand the nuance of acting. He's an actor. He didn't win because he's deaf. He won because of the performance he gave. It just so happens that he's deaf. And he talked in the speech about what this means for the deaf community which is the same as what it means when gay people or black people or brown people or purple people or short people or tall people, you want representation in areas so you can believe that you can be in that area. That's the whole point of why representation matters so much. Because if you don't have a way to have things modeled for you, then by definition, you will not be able to achieve. That's why groundbreaking people are so remarkable. And that's why their legacy lasts lifetimes, hundreds of years, thousands of years, because they're willing to not just go down the path less traveled. They're willing to do something that is against all odds, where the likelihood of failure is so far greater than success, but they go anyway. You don't think it's easier for now brown and black actors for deaf actors, for kids who are deaf, brown, black, whatever the case may be, to say, wow, you can actually go all the way in this profession. Or when you see someone who is deaf, who is a fisherman, and you want to be a fisherman and you say, wow, I can do that too. That is the purpose to me of representation. So the awards ceremony continues. I'm ready to write about and talk about the in memoriam segment. I think that's one of the big stories. They're doing dancing and singing, and I'm very focused on how interesting it was that they brought out Bill Murray to talk about Ivan Reitman. They brought out Jamie Lee Curtis to talk about Betty White. 
They brought out Tyler Perry to talk about Sidney Poitier. And what struck me at that point in the show is every year, and I think you should agree with me on this, every year during the In Memoriam segment, don't you say at least three times, oh my God, I totally forgot that person died. And you relive that moment again to the extent you had learned it when it happened and then forgot about it. How many times do we say, wait, is that person alive or dead? So the In Memoriam segments at the end, as I'm getting older, I'm engaging with them far differently than I used to. And I am thinking to myself, are they going to show William Hurt? William Hurt, one of my favorite actors, who obviously is also known as having issues with domestic violence with Marley Matlin, who was very front and center on last night's Oscars because she was one of the stars of CODA, which ended up winning Best Picture. And she happens to be deaf. So William Hurt is the third person in the In Memoriam segment, and I'm thinking about mentioning that and talking about my experience and thinking about death and thinking about the fact that the, every year I am shocked continually at the number of people who me meant something to me, some of whom I've known personally, who were passed away. So the show continues. I'm thinking about what it is to have three women hosts. I'm thinking about how interested the Oscars were and the producers were in making sure that you understood that we were gonna be more representative, they said, as an academy. We were gonna make sure that you saw colors and not just white. That you saw women, not just men. So Amy Schumer and Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes are the hosts. They have three women hosts. The first joke out of the gate is they hired us because collectively they paid us less than they pay one man to host. So already they are acknowledging the equal pay issue that exists in Hollywood. Then they talked about Regina Hill, Regina Hall being single. They did a bit and I was gonna talk about that. I thought that would be the lead of the show is that Regina Hall was feeling up Josh Brolin and uh, Lisa Bonet's ex-husband, Coca, the guy who plays Aquaman. I can't remember his name. Jason, Jason uh, Momoa. And they're back together. Thank you, Coca. Hard to keep track. And they're back. By the way, the, her daughter, Zoe Kravitz, was a presenter, if you want to feel old. So she's feeling up Jason Momoa all under the sort of theory that they need to be COVID tested, why you get COVID tested with your tongue down their throat or with your finger up their keister. That remains to be seen. I thought it was tasteless, but it was a joke. It didn't land for me. I thought it was too much. Just because I, I want to laugh. Amy Schumer comes out, does a few things about Aaron Sorkin, goes after Aaron Sorkin. And Aaron Sorkin is a very complicated figure in Hollywood. He was the writer of Being the Ricardos. He wrote The West Wing. He wrote Newsroom. He wrote A Few Good Men. A prolific writer who many view as very far left politically and therefore tend to some ignore what he says, even though the talent outshines the perspective. And Amy Schumer said very clearly, you are amazing, Aaron Sorkin. You wrote a movie about one of the greatest female comedians of all time, and you didn't get one laugh. I thought Aaron could be offended, but that was all right, didn't land great. Then they start doing jokes about King Richard starring Will Smith, the favorite to win Best Actor. And they say, wouldn't you know Hollywood finally made a movie about 
two girls, Venus and Serena Williams, who opened the Oscars, and they named it after the man. So that was a woman-man joke. It sort of landed not great. The show's going on. They're trying to make it more hip. They've got DJs, including Sheila E. Has anyone heard of Sheila E., who's not 50 years old? Very accomplished, very amazing. DJ Khaled introduced the female hosts. So it was a whole thing. So I'm getting everything together. And then I'm watching Chris Rock take the stage. Chris Rock takes the stage and starts telling some jokes. He's doing the documentary feature category, which for me to win my Oscar pool, this was critical because many people thought Flea was gonna win, which was an incredible documentary. I saw everyone in this category, but I had voted for Summer of Soul, which I reviewed on Nothing Personal. Chris Rock comes up, what an interesting choice, smart. He's gonna talk about it. I think Summer of Soul is gonna win. He then makes a comment about Jada Pinkett Smith, saying, hey, Jada, you could star in G.I. Jane 2. See you then. G.I. Jane was with Demi Moore. Demi Moore had a, had a crew cut, very short hair like a buzz cut. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith, who's sitting in the front row, it should be noted they were not in seats. He didn't have to say excuse me to people. He didn't have to like from the middle of the row, basically he got up from a comfy chair he was in. Talk about class system in Hollywood. You had all the crew and like the directors and all sorts of other people are in rows, but the stars and the big time celebrities, including Timothy Chalamet, without a shirt on for crying out loud. Yes, of course, jealous that he can get away with that. But that said, I, maybe it would have been cooler if I would, I mean, me, I, I was thinking I would be more like when I watched Timothy Chalamet, if you go Google his outfit, I was thinking I would be more like Christian Bale in American Hustle in the beginning of the movie when he's sitting there with the comb over and his shirt open and his big belly hanging out, which was not a prosthetic, which I, as you could tell from when Lily James presented, obviously prosthetics were used in Pam and Tommy, which I told you, which I haven't reviewed yet, which I will because I just finished that. So Will Smith doesn't have to do anything but get out of his comfy chair. He does, like his Barry Bonds sort of locker room chair is what it looked like. He walks on stage, he approaches Chris Rock, and then mayhem ensued. It appears that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. Open-handed, though it was hard to tell, I thought at first it was an act, a bit, because he was upset or supposed to be upset with what Chris Rock said about his wife. And everyone has been getting on Will Smith and his wife over the years because of their marriage. Is it open? Is it closed? How are they doing? They're still together. Are they together? They're sort of together. They, they, are they at their own pace? They beat to their own drum. And when you have been in a play or in a movie, and I'm lucky enough to have been in one where there is a fight scene and you rehearse it, and do you know before call time, before every show, you don't rehearse anything once you're done with rehearsals unless the director has some notes and you wanna work on something, but you always rehearse a fight scene before that day's show. And it looked to me as though Will Smith did a movie punch of Chris Rock. And then all of a sudden, my TV goes out. And I thought it was a bit of lost Wi-Fi. I thought there was something going on with Hulu. I'm like, something weird just happened. I don't know who's saying what to who because I can't hear. And then I started thinking, are they doing this because of Coda? Like, are they showing? Should I hurry up and put my closed captioning on? All of this is in my head going immediately at the moment. And I want to share it with you because I wanted you to know how my brain works. So I was trying to get to the 
to the remote to put the closed captioning on because maybe they're trying to show what it's like to, in, a, in a hearing world when you don't have hearing. And then the sound goes back on and Chris Rock says, you know, whoa. And then I go to Twitter because we're in 2022 and that's what you're supposed to do because you got to get news. So I figured someone has the information. And within two minutes, Summer of Soul is announced as the winner. Chris Rock just keeps going with his category. He makes a mistake off the prompter. He says, now I'm ready for documentary. And he meant to say, now I'm ready for the award for documentary feature. Whatever it was, he was flustered, which I thought could have still been part of the bit. And they're not really showing anything because in the control room, they've lost their minds. They don't know whether to go to camera four or camera two. It was like the audition of Dustin Hoffman for Tootsie, where some said, go left, go right. No, no, you go left, you go right. And they're crossing the cameras as Dustin Hoffman is auditioning for the soap opera role in Tootsie. Hey, pan back. How far back should I go? How do you feel about Cleveland? It was that sort of moment. So then we get the uncensored part of the show. And apparently, Will Smith slapped, he smacked Chris Rock and then walked off stage and yelled from his seat, get my wife's name out of your effing mouth. Take your, take my wife's name out of your effing mouth. Twice he says it, Will Smith screams it. The audience is silent. Chris Rock says, okay, it was just a G.I. Jane joke. And all of a sudden, the headline was written. The memory was made. The story that will be told forever is not about Coda winning, not about a streaming service winning best picture for the first time ever. Apple, Nomadland won last year. It was right to Hulu, delivered right to Hulu. Apple won the award. Tim Cook was thinking we got completely overshadowed. Will Smith won best actor his first one in his storied acting career where he's made scores of great movies. Jessica Chastain won Best Actress and talked about suicide, talked about awareness, forgotten about. Coda Best Picture, forgotten about. Summer of Soul Best Documentary, hugely important to watch. The point of that, the footage that was found back from a music festival in Harlem, forgotten about. Everyone is talking about Will Smith and they're taking sides. Some people are saying he went too far. Will Smith had no business assaulting, physically touching Chris Rock. Some people say Chris Rock went too far. Will Smith's wife suffers from a condition which causes hair loss. He should have known. Did he know? Did he not know? Is there a feud between Will Smith and Chris Rock that goes back to 2016 when Chris Rock made a joke as host of the Oscars about Jada Pinkett Smith not being at the Oscars because she was boycotting them for the lack of diversity? And Chris Rock, the black host, said, I, I don't understand what you're boycotting. You're a TV star and you weren't even invited. That would be like me boycotting a Rihanna party. I can't boycott it. I'm not invited to it. So maybe there are six years of bad blood between Chris Rock and Will Smith. Maybe Will Smith had just finally had enough of people making fun. Will Smith takes the stage 
because he got a chance to talk. He starts crying after he wins Best Actor, but it's clear to tell us, I'm not crying because I won the award. I'm crying because I feel the power of God in me and I must defend people. But then he didn't list his wife. He, def he said, I defend the co-star of King Richard. I defend the two people who played Serena and Venus. Very bizarre. He did not mention, I defend my wife. But he did say, Richard Williams, who's the character he played, Venus and Serena's father, who got in plenty of trouble for actions that he took during the course of his life, including some that were physical, by the way, said, maybe I'm more like him than I thought where I'm looked at as crazy in the name of defense. Love makes you do crazy things. Hmm. What struck me when he said that was anger because the people who say love makes you do crazy things are giving you an excuse for doing crazy things that are often violent. And I'm in no way saying that smacking someone is the same as shooting them or abusing them or holding them hostage or so many of the things that men do to women that they say it's the name of love. I love you so much that when you look at that man, I just want to beat the crap out of you. Well, that's a crime. Judd Apatow tweeted that that's a full-on assault. Could have killed him. He then deleted his tweets. Not sure why. If you're going to take a position, take a position. The Los Angeles Police Department took a position. The Los Angeles Police Department took a position saying there was an incident between two people at the Academy Awards but the person who was assaulted, who was slapped, who was hit, declined to press charges. That's the end of it. Chris Rock was approached, I assume, and said, I'm not pressing charges against Will Smith. Chris Rock has not said a word. Will Smith and his representatives had a chance to meet and talk prior to him getting Best Actor, and the best he could come up with was a speech that was rambling. It was about God. It was about defending yourself. It was about saying when it's too much, I get it. I'm coming from a perspective where I got made fun of nonstop for my height, and I couldn't do anything about it other than with my mouth. If I had the ability to do something with my fist, open or closed, would I have? Is the only way to get a bully to stop is to hit them? Was Chris Rock being a bully, and therefore you've got to meet force with force? I got the last laugh with every single person who's ever bullied me. Not one of them has this microphone or has the life or career that I've had because I remember all of your names. Do I have the best and last laugh and revenge? Or could I have ended it, ended years of torment earlier by just one time hitting someone? How many times do we see it modeled for us that when you are being bullied, you've got to bully back? You can't turn the other cheek every time and expect behavior to change. I was brought up in a household where that's exactly what I was told to do. And that's exactly what I did, both out of necessity and out of moral values and compass. So I'm wondering if Will Smith is not aware that what he does for a living causes jokes. Some jokes don't land. No doubt about it. Some jokes aren't funny. Sometimes jokes go too far. One of the things that we've dealt with over the past two, three years 
has been the cancel culture, has been looking back on shows. Do you remember when we reviewed We Gotta Talk About Cosby, the amazing documentary on, I don't remember which streaming service, and we looked back at Fat Albert, and we looked back at Mushmouth. Would those characters exist today? We look back at certain of the movies that were made back in the day, from Blame It on Rio all the way up to any movie where it just doesn't land or feel right today, but back then it was acceptable. And so we have progressed. But that doesn't mean that people who made Blame It on Rio, Michael Caine in Blame It on Rio, does he get canceled for being in Blame It on Rio? I'm not saying that Chris Rock, nor would I ever suggest that Chris Rock, that every joke of his is funny. But you cannot be in a world where it is okay to use physical means to try to compensate for your perception of being wronged. There are people today who are saying, you must defend your family. And if you have to defend them pugilistically, that's what you do. Don't give me the story of, hey, maybe Ukraine should just say to Russia, hey guys, could you stop? You're hurting my feelings. Ukraine's got to fight back with missiles and with killing. They're in a war. That is not the same as Will Smith having to defend the honor of his wife and doing it with an open fist on live television. Will Smith could have gotten the microphone because his platform is bigger than Chris Rock's. He was going to win Best Actor, even if not, his platform is bigger, more important. And he could have had a moment of incredible growth where he could have said Ganug. His first word could have been Yiddish. Before I accept this award, I want to understand why we think it's okay to tell jokes at the expense of people's medical conditions or to tell jokes at the people's expense of anything. Why is it okay? And I've done it too, Will Smith would continue. I've done plenty of movies where I make fun of people. I was just thinking about Hitch where I had an allergic reaction to something and I made myself look so ugly that I th didn't think I could get the girl. Will Smith could have taken the podium and used this as a moment to explain to us why 2022 is different and how we are going to be better. Let's be better. And there would have been some people who would have said nothing changes until you crush your bully. And I would have said you can crush your bully through articulation, not gesticulation. So Will Smith finishes his speech. And then Sean Diddy Combs comes on and says, we got to keep going. So let's just keep going with love and they will take care of this behind closed doors. And it reminded me when people say, hey, you want to take this outside? I've been asked that many times at bars, by the way, when I've maybe spoken to people who were maybe with other people. And hey, you want to take this outside? No, I actually don't. But I'm happy to talk to somebody else. So take it outside obviously indicates some sort of physical thing is going to happen. So Sean Diddy Combs says, let's just proceed with love. 
Then they go on to best director, best actress, as though nothing happens, best picture, nothing happens. But the word is my bond. The history of this Oscar show is written. It's not about Coda. It's not about Summer of Soul. It's not about King Richard. It's not about Venus and Serena finally telling the story of their dad and being recognized for the powerhouse that he was. It is the story of Will Smith and Chris Rock. That's what bothered me above everything. The word we chose was smack today. And I just want you to think about it. Where do you stand on this issue? And for those of you who stand, he should have hit him harder, he should have hit him more. For those of you who say he should be charged and he should have given back his Oscar and be disqualified. Both extreme, but instead of coming to your conclusion, I want you to look at your process. And don't just look at it for confirmation bias. Don't just get yourself where you want to end up and say, this is the road I take to get where I end up. Instead, go to a road where you don't know where it ends. Think about every stop on the exit on the freeway that you're on and whether or not this is where you want to get off. Is this where you want to get off? Is this a reason to keep going? And where does it end? Is it end of freeway? Does it end in a wide open expanse where there's no end to what I can think or to the circumstance where I can't draw a conclusion other than what I already have? That would be the growth. That would be the hope. All right. Let's go to break, Coco. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about the Deshaun Watson press conference. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. What a weekend. Thanks for getting through that first segment on the Oscars. I didn't even talk to you about the fact that I went 21 for 23, and every wait to see I gave you was right about the top seven categories, or at least the seven categories I chose. I only missed Belfast. Congratulations to Kenneth Branagh, by the way. Thank you for always engaging with me on Nothing Personal and for rating, reviewing, following, telling your friends. We are here every Monday to Friday, 45 minutes, uncut, unedited, after much conversation, pre and post show with Coca. The great producer, Matthew Coca. If you're not following him on Twitter or paying attention to the job he does with me, then you're not paying attention. There is no me without him, and there is no him without me, which makes us a we. 
So the lead story for today, I was always going to talk about the Oscars, but for me, the lead going into the show last night was about Deshaun Watson and his press conference on Friday, which happened after our show. And then obviously what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock made that the lead, but we're going to talk about this press conference. Deshaun Watson is the football player on the Cleveland Browns who was given $230 million, who has 23 civil lawsuits pending against him by masseuses, different masseuses who all are saying basically the same thing. Hey, take care of this. Give me the happy ending at least. Let me touch you. You touch me. I touch you. I'll fly you in. Come to my house. Come to my hotel. Some variant of that story. Two grand juries have been convened to see whether or not there's a crime and they have both said no crime. So the football world said no crime, no problem. Frankly, half the time they say crime, no problem. It's the NFL. You know what that stands for. You committed a crime, don't worry. It's not for long. You'll be back on the sideline in no time at all. Like from the musical Pippin, no time at all. So Deshaun Watson was introduced and the Cleveland Browns and their brain trust said, we've got the idea. We've given statements, Jimmy and Dee Haslam, go listen to last week's show. We've heard from the organization, but now we're gonna do a presser and we're gonna have Deshaun Watson meet the press and we're gonna have him answer all the questions. And then we're gonna have the GM and the coach and they're gonna stand there and tell you why they went with Deshaun Watson in a move that has cost them dearly from a PR standpoint, dearly from a fan affinity standpoint, dearly from a brand standpoint. Why would you be associated with someone who has done this? There are people who say, done what? Didn't get charged, didn't do a thing. Folks, not being charged by a grand jury does not make you innocent of that which you are charged. OJ, hello. OJ got acquitted by a jury of his peers and was found guilty of the crime in the civil suit. May I remind you how our system works. So Deshaun Watson gets to Cleveland a day or two before the press conference, and his job is to start prepping. They're doing media training with him. They're going through questions and answers. Here's what's going to be asked. Here's, let's talk about, how do you want to answer this? He's got his agent with him. He's got lawyers with him. The Browns PR people are there. The owner is being informed every step of the way if Jimmy and Dee Haslam are even slightly decent at what they do for a living, which I can't answer. One question that is sure to be asked is, why do you have 40 masseuses? All right, let's work on an answer for that. You know, I have the answer. Deshaun said, here's what I'm going to say to that. When they ask, why would I have so many masseuses? I have to say, hey, listen, that was over a five-year period. And I, I've got a team of people who are helping me in different places that I am, and they can't get the same person, so they're getting different people. It was the greatest bunch of horse hockey I thought I would hear in the whole press conference. Listen, I like masseuses. I like massages. No question about it. 40? 40? Hmm. I'm not sure that's right. I mean, let's really, you could talk even more about the number of people. We hire masseuses to take care of players. We bring in one per season. Sometimes they have a backup. You've got two. Of course, Coca, being in the media, 
would have asked him, hey, during that same five-year period, do you go to 40 different barbers? Well, I can tell you right now, players go to the same barber. Players fly in their barber from around the country, fly in the barber to get the same haircut before an all-star game, before a playoff game, before an appearance in the media. It's a shout out to you, Hugo. Juice, the barber of the Marlins. Yeah, he gets flown everywhere. People come to him, he goes to them. Stylist, drivers, Coco was having a field day with this. 40? It's absurd. So then you say to Deshaun, is that what you're going to stick with? Because I don't like that answer. It's going to make you come off badly. And Deshaun said, don't worry, because when the next question comes, I'm going to come off even worse, and people will forget about the 40 answer. People are going to say to me, hey, do you have any regrets about any of this, how this all went down? And wait till you get a load of what I'm going to say. I'm going to say no. Why would I have any regrets? I didn't do anything wrong. Do you need to go to therapy? Therapy? I don't have any problems. Well, 23 lawsuits. It's pretty good. We talked about the people who go to sex addiction therapy or they check themselves into rehab after they get caught with a DUI or they get caught having an affair, then they're a sex addict. DUI, I take Ambien or pills or whatever. You're always after the fact, right? You get accused of bad behavior in front of 40 masseuses, you say, ooh, I guess I need to do some work. You say you want to be paid and play golf in Saudi Arabia, you take personal time and miss the masters and say, I need to better myself. Deshaun Watson doubled down and said, problems? Problems? They got no problems. Did his best Jim Mora playoffs imitation. So I'm thinking... Deshaun Watson's performance was a D minus. He could have met the media with a far better prepared statement. And then people criticized me on Twitter saying, David, he can't possibly say anything that would hurt him in his civil cases. Uh, I'm a lawyer too. And the answer is, of course he could have. You can apologize and say you've got regret for how people feel about an action that you did not take or that they perceived you took. You could say that you feel regret to have women ever be put in a position where they feel that there is something that has happened to them, but maintain that I didn't do that. You can explain why you fly masseuses around the entire country without having any implications to the 23 civil suits. And you can come up with a better one than that's what my team does for me. So then I'm thinking the owners, they're going to have to clean this up because the coach and the GM, when asked about what, why they signed Deshaun Watson, they stayed on the field. They said, we believe in Deshaun the man. We are confident in Deshaun, the person. They spent an hour with him, two hours, four hours, whatever. You can really get to know someone, right? The real thing they wanted to say is, we only had to give up five or six picks to get one of the top five quarterbacks in football. He's only going to get suspended four or six games, right? And then he's going to be with us for four years. We've got him locked in. It's all guaranteed. And we've never won a Super Bowl. I would have liked the honest answer out of the GM and the coach. Hey, listen, 
I'm paid to win Super Bowls. There's no question Baker Mayfield was not going to get us a Super Bowl, and we upgraded. Is he perfect? Hell no. Did we sacrifice our moral compass? You're goddamn right we did, but we want a ring. I'm in. Be direct. Be honest. So Jimmy Haslam brings his wife, D, and they don't sit at the original press conference. This is great strategy. They met the press two hours later so they could clean up anything that had to be cleaned up. Like if there's a problem on aisle nine, if there's an answer they don't like, they get to bat cleanup, right? That's, have you ever thought about why the four hitters, the cleanup hitter? Because the top guys in the old days, the top of your line are supposed to get on base and the cleanup hitter is supposed to get them home. I'm cleaning up the bases, making them empty again. So Jimmy and D Haslam want you to know that the reason they signed Deshaun Watson is that they got tacit permission from their daughters. I almost fell off my chair. Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam are the owners of a team. I was the president of a team. I didn't ask my children about one transaction ever. I would talk to them after the transaction was done when I knew that people were going to make fun of them because we were trading away another great player, getting them ready for something bad that I did, letting them know that I was going to be the butt of jokes or that there was going to be a headline that I had written, so be ready. And my kids got made fun of plenty. Trust me. Do I regret it? No, it was my job. Do I wish it hadn't happened? Of course. So Jimmy and D. Haslam not only spoke to their daughters in theory before they signed to Sean Watson, which I find very hard to believe, but then they said, you know, the women in our immediate surrounding, they were okay. They agreed that he was not indicted by a grand jury. Therefore, he is innocent. Therefore, let's bring him on. Deflecting any criticism to the daughters? Man, that's father of the year territory, and I would know as a 40-time, sorry, I am a 27-time non-nominee for father of the year. Maybe I just don't know what it takes to be nominated. Maybe what you do is you throw your children under the bus, and that gets you nominated. Are you kidding? I'd like to be at their dinner table. Hey, I'm just curious. We're looking at Deshaun Watson. How do you feel about it? Well, Dad... You know, it seems weird that he did this to all these women. Can all of them be wrong? Do you think they all colluded and conspired when they didn't know each other? That's like saying all the people who said Bill Cosby drugged him and had sex with them who didn't know each other. And when they heard one story, they're like, oh my God, that happened to me. Now I'm comfortable. I can go forward. How many women are not comfortable going forward because they don't want to be shamed, embarrassed, or lose their jobs? But when someone goes forward, you say, oh, I've got safety. We talked about at the beginning of the show, being the trailblazer, it's even harder than being the corroborator. But the daughters say, we're good. No problem. And then Jimmy Haslam says that? I was simply blown away. It's one of the great GMABs of nothing personal history. So now what does Cleveland do? Well, I got a thought. They're not done answering Deshaun Watson questions because the press conference was an abject failure. Jimmy and D. Haslam's excuses were a joke. What they're hoping is that the Browns win enough games that you 
will forget all about it. Roger Goodell is hoping the same thing. Here's an idea. Don't forget about it. One time say to yourself, I'm not going to forget. Then, of course, Tyreek Hill get, gets traded for. And Dolphins fans forget. They're good. It's very tough to have to decide when to use your moral sword, isn't it? Tough to think about the different circumstances, what you're going to be okay with, what you're not going to be okay with as a fan or as a president or as an owner or as a teammate. We see these examples time and time again. The Dodgers players said, we don't want to be around Trevor Bauer. What did the Dodgers do when Trevor Bauer is done with his suspension to the extent that happens? We face these decisions every day, not as sports executives, as parents, as lovers, as brothers, as sisters, as sons and as daughters. Just give it thought. Okay. We split the nothing personal pick of the day. I want to get to that if that's okay. We are now in 2022. We are 34 and 27. We had Miami beating Iowa State. Way to go, Miami. That's pretty amazing. They did not make it to the Final Four, but they had a hell of a run, the Hurricanes did. Then on Saturday, we had Houston beating Villanova to get to the Final Four, but Villanova won the game, and they got to the Final Four. The Final Four has Duke and North Carolina. CBS, the executives for CBS right now, they were so happy. And then they were like, wait a minute. I think the Final Four is on TBS. Wait a minute. No, it can't be. We've had the whole tournament, but TBS is showing the Final Four. Damn it. They are despondent. They're going to say they're not, but believe me, they are. Was it weird seeing St. Peter's lose? And the Hurricanes lose two great stories. A 15 seed from Jersey City, never having been to the Elite Eight, ever. And they did it. It's pretty cool. But they got absolutely crushed by, who did they lose to, Kansas? I could be, did I have that right, Coca? Did St. Peter's lose to Kansas? Or to North Carolina? Lost, anyway, one of them. Okay. I'm, I'm totally forgetting it. Oh, they lost to UNC. By the way, UNC is coached by Hubert Davis, the former Nick, who I absolutely loved as a player. Both the cerebral player, great sort of mid-range jump shot that really doesn't play in the NBA anymore. So you've got Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four. And they have to play each other, so they can't play in the final game. It's going to be one of the most watched Final Fours because you either love Duke or hate them. You either love North Carolina or hate them. And they are unbelievable rivals. And it's Mike Krzyzewski, Krzyzewski, the coach of Duke's final season. And he made it to the Final Four. God, I love it. So I don't know the standings in the nothing personal pool except to tell you that you're all beating me because I had Wisconsin beating Gonzaga in the final game. I got zero Final Four teams right. But if you win the pool, you get a prize. If you beat Coca, you're in the raffle to get a prize. And if you finish in last, you're going to get a prize too. So tonight I'm going to watch the Miami Heat play. The Heat are 13-point favorites over the Sacramento Kings. The Heat have lost four in a row. The Heat are fighting on the bench. The Heat are absolutely in danger of losing the number one seed. The Sacramento Kings have won two in a row. It's a perfect time to take the points. We're not doing it. The Heat are going to win this game by 30. The Heat realize they can't wait for the playoffs. They've got a four-game losing streak. Watch how this ends. Heat by 30 over the Kings, and you only have to give 13. That's the nothing personal pick of the day. Well, that's our show. I appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen. 
You don't have to agree, but thank you for listening. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.